They should have trade. They need to trade him to Latvia right now for uh, one of the Ball brothers. <laughs> for, for one of them, we'll take the futures on uh, Lamelo. Yeah, there you we go. don't want Leandro. He's trash. We'll take the futures on Lamelo. Cooking with jet fuel. Oh my gosh, that's electrifying. You're gonna get a lot of live action. Oh yeah. All right, back here on the Shore thing on Talk Radio 1190. Warren Shore here alongside with Ryan Silva, as always. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in on this Sunday night, taking some time out and uh, ending your Sunday with us. So thanks for doing that. We're back live after last week. We'll get into that uh, here in a couple of minutes. But have a good show planned for you today. We're going to touch on the electric uh Open Championship final round, and Francesco Molinari was the winner. Uh, big trade. Seems like NBA news is always happening. Uh, so we'll talk about the trade that happened uh, last week on uh, Wednesday, Tuesday or Wednesday, I think, uh, the Kawhi Leonard trade. We'll get into the MLB trade deadline. That is that is uh, nine days away, so we'll talk about that for the next couple of shows. And then uh, a couple of morons of the week, I think. I don't think we're going to make this a true New segment, Morons of the Week, thought about it. But uh, there are a couple uh, guys up for consideration this week. One, a pitcher uh, for the uh, Milwaukee Brewers, mainly just from his past. And then Larry Fedora, I think, really takes the uh, cake on this one. So we'll talk about that. And then the Cowboys training camp, they start Thursday. So if we have time at the end of the show, we'll touch on some things. Uh, What to look forward for camp is the Hall of Fame games, like Three weeks from tonight, two yeah. weeks from tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, Ryan, I know this today. We both survived the sun. We were both outside in the in the heat, and uh, we have survived. Now, I'm not looking. I'm not feeling great. <laughs> I'm feeling really tired, but we survived. Yeah, I, it was brutal out there. I had tryouts for uh, my select teams that I coach, and you know it's about 108, 110 out there. But we're on a turf field, and literally you could feel the heat through your shoes on your feet. Like it was blistering. So the turf was just cooking you from the inside out. It was, uh, it was tough. Yeah, I definitely got a little nap in before uh, a little pre-show nap to make sure I was on my A game. Yeah, I got home. I was caddying in the uh, Trinity Forest. The you would think Trinity Forest, lots of trees. Nope. If you watch the Byron Nelson, the Dallas Amateur Championship for my guy Dr. Anthony Lissy, who was playing in it. Uh, we had a good day yesterday. Today was a little bit of the struggle bus, but it was still it was still fun. I Anybody always dropping with double hammy. Uh, no, no, cramps. we'll get to that. I was getting to that in a second, but I mean, yesterday I didn't text you, but. The round yesterday took six and a half hours. Sheesh. We were supposed to start at 9.15, didn't start till 10 o'clock. I didn't get done. We didn't get done till 3.30, 3.40. They tried to do 100. There were 120 players playing in this thing, handicapped, what, ladies. It's a good uh, good tournament. Mm-hmm. The problem is they tried to tee off everybody in a two-hour stretch, 120 players off of both tees. It was an Not absolute happening. nightmare. Today, they learned from their mistake, had everybody go off the first tee, but it was brutal. And you could just, there, it's kind of, it's. I mean, it's built on a dump. Yeah. Um, but you could just feel the heat, and it was just like, guy. one of the guys in our group dropped out yesterday, 
Everyone today was like, man, I should have done that. <laughs> I was just waiting for some guys to drop. Everyone was playing bad. Yeah. I, I don't know what it was with us, but the guys in our group must have had a case of the shanks because yesterday guys were shanking balls left and right. Not Dr. Lissy. He doesn't do that. He, the shanks are not in his game, but this one dude probably shanked about five of them. And I was like, they're like, did you, where'd it go? And I was like, that way it's shanked. Yeah. I missed, I lost it. I can't keep track of a 200 yard shank. You're but, looking straight and it's taking a hard left turn. That's, that's kind of how my game goes. I mean, it was like, I was like, we were just like, okay, all right, yeah, it's somewhere over there, bud. It's somewhere over there. Go look for that. We'll get to there. But, yeah, so what you said about the double hammies, I can't eat Tuesday in the USAM qualifier at Merido, 36 holes in one day. And the USAM, obviously the biggest amateur tournament in the U.S., uh, is at Pebble Beach this year. So there's a little more incentive to get into it. And Merido's hardest course in Texas, I think. Guys with the heat were dropping out left and right. Uh, usually guys would draw after the first round, say they're not in contention. Some guys will just WD. Some guys will finish for pride. These guys on Tuesday were finishing for pride. It was 110. I looked at the, they had a thermometer on the tee with like the, with the time and everything. Mm-hmm. We made the turn at 10 o'clock. It said it was 107 outside and it, it didn't get less than that until we finished. It was absolutely brutal out there. Like Ryan said, this guy on the 33rd hole felt bad for the guy. Swings, double hammy cramp, writhing on the ground. and it got taken away to the clubhouse. I mean, taken away. He's got just had to withdraw. But 36 out of the 78 people withdrew. And the winner uh, shot six over, was or four over, was a kid, Gavin Lane. Four Thir- over or four under? Four over. Oh, okay. Earlier this week, I thought you said under. No, over. Okay, okay. I thought I said over. It was four over. 76, Mm. 70, 13 years old. Yeah. Committed to Oklahoma State. Then the guy that got second, Michael Griggs, shot six over and is 15 years old, a junior. I mean, they're the only ones that were fine with the heat. Guys were dropping out left and right. I feel proud that I finished caddying in it, but I wish my guy, Ben Barr, might have walked it in a little maybe after 27 because he was looking a little tired yeah i was definitely hurting on the bag and that was the day after we got back from vegas we came we both came in on different flights from phoenix at 9 a.m i was we were still catching up on sleep i was i woke up that morning i just go oh this is gonna be a long day i knew it was a long day before i even got there because i was still so tired so I was playing behind the eight ball on sleep. I don't know if you've caught up on your sleep from Vegas. It's if I it's have, hit and it's, miss. I feel yeah, like for me, I know. I'm the same way. It's uh, I was I was gonna say when you were talking about catching up on your sleep, it it felt like it took me all week to to catch up on it, just because it was like we were taking naps. We weren't really sleeping. You know, what I mean, it was. Well, and it was the thing brutal. too was for us, we get up at five o'clock in the four thirty, five o'clock in the morning. There's no. There is. I mean, it's hard to. Yeah. I know during the week, like everyone gets up. If they go to work nine to five, you might be able to sleep till seven thirty or eight. Something I mean, you're getting up at four thirty. Well, we gotta squat up at night. Yeah, we oh ain't yeah. getting to, we ain't going to bed till eleven. We, we gotta got get to do. we gotta try and get those duos wins. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, hopefully, I caught up this week. I, I got sleeping a little bit yesterday for the first time in a while. But uh, yeah, it, they, that uh, the Vegas weirds definitely get you, and they they stick around for a while. Yeah, they do. They do. I I needed a full day off tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> I need to do the old. No, I'm kidding. But no, Vegas. So we'll get. Uh, we'll just uh, start the sports after the next segment or at the beginning of the next segment. Vegas trip was good. We both had a lot of fun. Uh, it was a good time. Got a couple wins at the window. 
He did get a couple wins at the window. Ryan was killing it on the blackjack table I was. until late Saturday night when he got a little greedy. But still, overall, I think you were up. Yeah, I was. I yeah. was overall for the trip. I was up. Uh, you weren't there Thursday night. Thursday night, I took a big loss. Trust me, I heard about it all day Friday. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I took a big loss Thursday. Friday, came back strong, went to the window, got a couple wins uh, with Warren where you went in on a couple bets, um, hit him, hit a couple parlays. And then, like you said, your boy was hot at the, uh, the blackjack table. Yeah, first seat. I first mean, seat. it was guaranteed he needed to go I'm to a table with first that, seat. I tried to get position. in there once early, but yeah. nope. You got you to gotta sit pole position. You kind of set the standard for everybody else. And if you win, awesome. If everybody else loses, hey, you know what? I got my money. A couple quick stories, though, at the blackjack table. So we're playing Saturday. The plan was to play for a little bit. Ended up getting a little... Yeah. <laughs> God, when we, you get hot, you, you get lose hot. time. Look, you lose your sense of time when you're in the Vegas casino. Uh, but so it's uh, the uh, Ryan, Parker, his friend, and then uh, myself. We're sitting there, the three of us. And then his your uncle was there, but he left. He went yeah. to go play somewhere else, uh, Joe. And then there was this couple from Iowa yeah. that was there. We were a nice time, nice casual. No one was really getting really that. I mean, look, you want to win, but it was nice casual conversations. Very laid back. Then this one woman comes down and sits in the center. And I mean, to one hand in, she is absolutely roasting. I mean, they might as well put Comedy Central start taping. She was just roasting our blackjack play. Everybody. And I didn't even think we were playing that poorly. There could have been a couple uh, questionable decisions along the way. Okay, that's fine. But, I mean, she's just going, why don't you hit that? Why don't you hit this? Why don't you hit that? What, what, blah, blah, blah. And we're part of the reason why we didn't hit that she won a hand when she split threes on with like a five or six show and yeah. absolutely ruthless. She's playing the side, but she lost $100 in about, what, 15 minutes? If that. And I could not have been happier. Yeah, <laughs> I know she, that sounds terrible. I could not have been happier. What was even better was when she got up and left and everyone looked at each other and was like, thank goodness. And like It was an audible, like, oh my God, thank yeah. goodness. And then we had the empty seat, and so my uncle came back from playing somewhere else, and the dealer goes, he tells my uncle, he goes, sit down, I don't want that lady to come back yeah, like, it was really funny and we the whole table erupted uh but yeah it was it was crazy like you said yeah I, one of the things she was roasting me about i had a six so that's 17 uh dealer was showing five so i'm gonna sit on a 17 i don't care if it's a quote-unquote free hit because if i um you know get a five or something i'm gonna have to hit again anyway so why not just take the 17 when the dealer's showing a bus card she's like oh you should have hit there you should have hit there well guess what lady they're pushing chips my way so i'm gonna <laughs> yeah. just go ahead and sit and play the way i am about meanwhile you're over there losing your stack yeah Take those side bets. Yeah. Whatever. But then and then we played later that night, and there were these two kids from Houston. Seems like we were running in with people from Houston all weekend. And these two kids had no idea what they were doing. This one kid went to the pocket to get more 20s. I feel like, what, four or five times? uh, Yeah, quite a bit. And I feel like one of the – look, Blackjack, pretty basic. Yeah. Uh, This one, I can't even remember what it was, but he had – like tens or something. Yeah, ten. Yeah, yeah, twenty. Yeah, and he was like asking what to do. Or he was, I was like, "Can I split those?" And like everybody at the table at once was like, "No!" <laughs> yeah, it was like it was just he had just no idea what he was doing. Both guys, and of course they were at the end of the table. Right. Which, you let the mistakes happen at the beginning. Right. But oh, unless your boy's sitting there, no mistakes are happening. There. Oh yeah, I know. You know what I mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But oh my god, that was a. Uh, I I think we were just looking at each other like, "What is this guy doing?" I we just uh, we just got over like yeah. i can't deal yeah, with this guy anymore go. we gotta get out we gotta wait but yeah it was a fun uh fun trip yeah for sure the story of the trip was uh you know you get a couple drinks sitting in you while you're while you're sitting there playing blackjack and so i thought i'd throw a hundred dollars down on one hand feeling pretty good i get 19 
And I, this might have been Thursday night before you got yeah, there. Yeah, I wasn't there. Um, this was Thursday night. So, you know, I have $100. I put it all on one hand. Have 19 The dealer's showing like six. So I'm feeling pretty good. And this other kid goes and splits threes, which, like like you said, blackjack, <laughs> blackjack is pretty basic. But, you know, there's some nuances that you might know. If the dealer's showing a bus card, like, you... You know, he's going to have to take some cards. So instead, this guy splits his threes rather than just taking maybe two cards at the most to sit at, you know, 17 or 18, maybe even 20 if he gets lucky. Instead, he splits threes, takes about probably four or five cards on each three, busts both of them, and then the dealer ends up hitting like, uh, hits like a three on a 16 and gets 19 to make everybody lose. And I about lost it. (laughs) I like if he doesn't take all twenty-seven cards that he takes, your boy is doubling up and getting that hundy back. Instead, I goes to the house and we're on our way. We're hearing about that the rest of the four the days. The rest of the four days. MVP though. Last story before we go to break. MVP of the trip was your uncle Joe on Saturday night. We went to bed at what three thirty or four? Yeah. I think three thirty. Yeah. We were watching the World Series of the final table at home. Or at the hotel room because we were like, oh, we got to get up early to watch the World Cup finals at eight. I set my alarm for seven ten. I wake up probably about three minutes before the alarm at seven ten. Dude's just strolling in by himself at seven fifteen, and he goes, "Yeah, I was at that same table." He sat down at the table at ten p.m. and he was playing by himself for a good four hours. Yeah. I think that was. Yeah, he he sat at the same table for a week, estimate about eight or ten hours. Yeah, like he was putting in some time there. Yeah, and there was only him and the dealer for half of that time, yeah. which was absolutely ridiculous. All right, we come back. We'll get in the British Open here on the short thing on Talk Radio eleven ninety. org. All right, back here on the short thing on Talk Radio 1190. Warren and Ryan here with you until 8 p.m. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Hit that subscribe button on SoundCloud and iTunes at the short thing and give us a follow on Twitter where you can see me at the Tour de France. <laughs> I thought that was pretty clever of me. It was fine. It was fine. Uh, it, was fu- it was funny. There's been some crowd incidents there, though, this time. And they've had to tell people to stop with the flares because it's been like throwing cyclists breathing off. So let's get lit with the flares. Um, All right. So the Open Championship today was this morning. Uh, I actually, when I got home from caddying, had recorded the final round. So I was watching parts that I missed uh, out there. But, man, it was this leaderboard. Is one of the best leaderboards I've seen in a major in a long, long time. I mean, you got Tiger, Rory, Justin Rose, number three player in the world there. Spieth, Tommy Fleetwood was in the running. Molinari, who ended up winning. Kisner is a good player. Kevin Chappell, President Cups guy. I mean, Kuchar got top 10. The leaderboard was absolutely loaded. And the potential for drama was strong. I mean, there was a ton of drama, but the, there were f- six guys tied at first place when the guys were in the middle of the back nine on t- holes 12, 13, 14. Yeah. It, I, didn't, I got to see live until about excuse me 10 o'clock. 
So right when Spieth uh, went, made that double on number six, it was kind of when I had to, I had to bail when Tiger was one back. But obviously, everybody at the tournament was checking their phones nonstop, giving updates. And honestly, you could feel a little bit of a buzz on there when they were like, Tiger was in first. And like we were talking to, I would talk to the other characters, like, oh, you see Tiger doing this, yelling across like two fairways or whatever. (laughs) We're like, oh, yeah, Tiger, let's go. Like, people, like, it was, I mean, it was back. And I was scrolling through Twitter. And obviously, my timeline is full of sports and some golf, but. I mean, it seemed like everyone I was following was talking about it, but that's just the bubble I was in. But it mm. was – I thought for a second Tiger was going to win it. I yeah. thought about five guys were going to win it at each different parts. Well, yeah, like you said, uh, what they was there four guys tied just going into today? At no, the top three. of the leader were three. Okay, so there's three tied at nine under going into mm-hmm. today. And um, I didn't start watching it till probably around noon because uh, I woke up early, went to church with the with the fiance, and then all that. And her dad's a big time golf guy, huge. And so we finally sat down for lunch after church, and he was pulling up his phone and let me know. And then we look over and like across the dining room, right behind the bar, you could see like the smallest TV. And so we, we just kept kind of peeking over. But he was kind of breaking it down for me. At that point, Spieth was in full implosion mode, had just doubled, um, I think, uh, or he's, excuse me, he, had, he went back-to-back bogey because he was at uh, five under and then he dropped a four under. And we're like, geez, what's happened to this guy? We Obviously, we were plugged in with uh, what Tiger had done. Uh, he had just, Tiger just finished up his round right when we had sat down. Okay. And he was telling me, you know, just kind of going through what everybody had done that through the day. And I was just shocked how, uh, you know, not bad the scores were, but how much lower they were than you know they were the day before. I feel like, or excuse me, higher. I was like, was was it really windy or something? He told me, yeah, it's the wind was brutal because uh, what's his name, Kisner went out there and shot a seventy four. He was kind of in the thick of things. Rory shot a seventy, but he went sixty nine, sixty nine, seventy the first three, so that was all right. Uh, Justin Rose actually had a pretty good day, you know, following up a sixty four with a sixty nine. He buried the last hole yeah. to make the cut on Friday. Right, exactly. So, you know, like you said, the the leaderboard just by name recognition was huge and uh, obviously Tiger was the story of the weekend. You know, every, whenever he plays and he does well, everyone grabs onto one stat and just repeats it over and over and over again. And of course, this one was the first three rounds at par or under since 2012 in a major. And uh, so, he, like you said, he was right in the thick of things. It looked like he might be able to get it done. Uh, just came up short. Yeah, his driving accuracy on the back nine definitely was the root of the problem. He was driving it great on the front nine, getting in the fairway, or not really. Look, they had like light fescue, and he wasn't in that. He was just in the rough. And then he got in the fescue on the back nine and just could not get out of his way. I mean, he still was one back. He birdied a 14 or maybe it was two back then, but he had chances. The problem was he just made a double, bad double on one of the holes. He goes bogey double, three over. He's got the solo lead. Mini ejection from him. He goes back. He's got to play from behind. And the last three holes at Carnoustie are absolutely brutal. 16, no birdies there all day today. 17 was tough, and then 18 a little easier. But Molinari, I was watching some of his round. I got back. Bogey free the last two rounds unbelievable some of the sand, the up and downs he was making a safe par making 15 footers for par Molinari he was I th- people he was one this is not a surprise win because he won Wentworth uh, about a month ago got second in the Italian Open and he was one of the I don't, he wasn't the betting favorite but he was a bunch of people's kind of like like the dark horse, yeah, but he's not really a dark horse because he's got he's won and he's got second in like three of his last four events. Mm. So he was a guy like okay, this guy could win, and he did first major, first ever, first ever Italian to win a major. But like I thought, Rory 
when he made Eagle on 14 was going to win, he tied it up. Then I thought when Justin Rose got to six under after he made the birdie on 18, he was going to win. All, all after I thought Tiger was going to win when he had the solo lead at seven under, I thought he was going to keep going. Then when Jordan was at six under on like hole 12, I was like, he's tied for the lead. He's just going to do what he did last year. He's probably going to win it. And it was, uh, I mean, I still got to watch probably the last hour and a half of two hours of coverage if I'll, if I'll ever get to it. But it was like, even though I knew the results earlier, it's still like, okay, this is how it happened. And it was, I mean, live, this is, this is a golf tournament. Everybody like, this is what you want. Just the big names. Yeah. Like five or six of the big names, all tied, scrunched up. This is what NBC wanted. All those oh, big guys sure. right there at the top. The okay, NBC, a little less commercial. Oh my goodness! They were just pounding through the commercials and just killing any flow. It was just I, my my hand was just on the fast forward button this whole time. Yeah. I'm like, can we get any less commercials? And during the week, not so much today. But the first three days, they just destroyed the John Vandeveld collapse from 1999. Okay, they've already seen in 2007. Easy up on that. And then, as however many times I got to hear Carnasty, all these ways that Carnusty turns into a nasty golf course, just beat me over the head with it. It was absolutely uh, just repetition. It's just so repetitive what they were doing. It's just like, okay, we get it. It's a tough course, and John Vandeveld had one of the worst 18th holes in the history of Open Championship. We don't need to keep going, oh, he's Vandevelding here. This and that. We get it. It's 20 years ago. I don't need to keep, we don't need to keep going to the tape. We all know we got in the burn barefoot and tried to hit a shot out of there. It's like when, you, uh, when you're in college and you have to write a paper, but you really only learned a little bit about something, so you just start pounding that fact over and over and again. Like, and just... Yeah, it was the same thing. I just kept on saying, like, oh, did Ryan Fitzpatrick go to Harvard? Like, all those <laughs> Antonio Gates played basketball in college. Like, all those things that everybody always says. Right. I did say uh, to my dad last night that the winning score today would be 8-under. And he was like, whoa, you think so? It's, I think it's going to be long. I'm like, nah, 8-under. I thought Jordan – I was surprised how Jordan played today. I thought I thought he was going to win. Yeah. Um, especially when he was, like, tied for lead at 6-under. You're just waiting for him to just – Bust one loose. Yeah, turn it, like, make a putt because he was rolling in putts the previous two days. Right. And, and, see, and he just couldn't – and he missed a bunch of shorties, which he had done. I actually saw a quote. Sorry, I didn't mean to – No, no, no. Uh, he said he – his goal is always when I was – talking to Michael Griller when I caddy in the pro for the Byron Nelson, say he's in contention. He doesn't want to know the scoreboard. Uh, he doesn't look at the scoreboard, but Greller will tell him if it's late in the round, like, hey, we need a birdie here. Like, just He won't say, hey, we're behind. He's like, we need a birdie or something like that. And he said he accidentally looked at a scoreboard, I think on like whole, like middle of the round, whenever Tiger was leading, so probably when he was on seven or eight, and he goes, oh, Tiger's leading, like solo lead. As quote was like, I accidentally looked at the board. I'm oh, Tiger's leading. Like he's he might actually win. He's like, but this is what you dreamed about. You always wanted to beat Tiger in a major. Like come on, and and I think that kind of got him rattled. Yeah. Now I don't think it was after hole six, but like playing, you're like I think that pressure of okay, I want to be the guy that took down Tiger in a in a major when he came back. Look, no one's saying Francesco Molinari like. Oh, he beat down, ran down Tiger. Yeah, they played in the same group. He just didn't make a bogey. Played a little better. Yeah, and won. But um, I think Jordan was trying to get like, okay, I want to be the guy to ruin it. Like Rory said, I wanted. To, he's like, I saw Tiger leading, and I wanted to be the one to ruin the ruin the party. So I think 
that leaderboard, Jordan looking at the leaderboard, definitely put some added uh, pressure on him. No doubt. It, it, this kind of goes along with what I was going to say, is that just kind of goes to show what kind of mental game Tiger had back in the day. Because if we look at, you know, Spieth was kind of, when he won um, his the U.S. Open a couple years back, followed by the or the Masters, followed by the U.S. Open, and, you know, he started getting on his run where he had placed top two or top three in the Masters, like back-to-back or in mm-hmm. top three years, um, whatever. It was like, okay, this is, this is going to be the next guy. You know, he kind of had that cold-blooded assassin label put on him where he was making these bomb putts uh, to, to either win or go ahead. But now we're kind of seeing that, not only, obviously, everyone knows golf is a physical game, or excuse me, a mental game. Like that's a huge part of it. But the way Tiger could finish tournaments, going into a lead on a Sunday and just running away from everybody, or chasing down the leader and going in and not over, not only doing well because of how he's playing, but mentally, he knew he was better than whoever was in front of him. He knew he was going to be able to chase the guy down. I think this was kind of a testament of Jordan Spieth to show greatness isn't just based on your game. I mean, like I said, everyone knows that. Golf is a huge mental game, but for Jordan to go in nine under today and finish four under after shooting a seventy six in the fourth round, like you, if you're going to be a great, you're going to be you know talked about with Nicholas, with Arnold Palmer, with Tiger Woods, with you know all those top guys, you have to be able to finish every single tournament, finish strong, and not just you know rely on your physical capabilities and your talent in the game. It's got a lot to do between the ears as well. Yeah, but I uh, no, I I. I think he show, I think everybody was expecting him to do something like he did last year after he made that uh, made a double or a bogey on the one hole when he hit it when he had hit it from the driving range. Right. But I mean, sometimes you just don't have it at the end. And uh, I mean, the standards though, like you said, the Tiger has set have been. That's why comparing anyone like Jordan, Rory has won four majors. He hadn't won a major in four years. Yeah. That's the. I mean, that is. It's. It's uh, absolutely shocking that Rory hasn't won a major in four years. That Tiger is just such a different standard that these guys are like really. Their Tiger's like like a ninety nine point nine 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 percent or thousand percent, and like Jordan and Rory are probably like ninety eight. They're like just a tick under, but they're just missing that little one thing. And com- the com- people want to compare them because oh, they've done these things. They've they've done the same thing Tiger did early on his, in his career, but it's just the sustainability of Tiger. Like Jordan's already missed more cuts in his in his career than Ti- already in his young PGA Tour career than Tiger has in his entire yeah. career. Like Tiger missed four cuts in a stretch of like ten years. The guy mm-hmm. just make cuts every single week, and Jordan just casually will. It's a cut out of nowhere, like at the U.S. Open, and Tiger would never miss a cut in yeah. a major. Yeah, I'll get 30th, but he never missed a cut. <laughs> so that's like that's the thing. But look, great tournament. We're three weeks away from the PGA Championship. Jordan's trying to get the career Grand Slam. I know that was like his main goal this year was to win the PGA. His putting, I guess, seems to be in a good spot except for today. But that's in St. Louis in August. I mean, it's going to be hot, and that's going to be that's you're going to need your physicality you're 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 gonna be all these guys are in good shape but that's one like the physical aspect really comes into play yeah it does i mean look this week out there we're in shorts they're taking carts but i mean that was a survival of the fittest out there the last the two tournaments i caddied in this week when golf was physical and just making sure you stay hydrated and and just not let the heat get to you but great open championship francesco molinari uh I mean, he just continues his tear 
of winning. And shout out to, I think we need to give a shout out to Eddie Pepperell Ryan. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. Shooting a nice little 67 hungover in the Open Championship. Did you see this? I did not. He just ended up at five under. He shot, I think, 73 yesterday. And he goes, oh, yeah, I drank a little bit too much tonight. I was pretty much out of the tournament. Uh, I was like, if I shoot 73, 69, whatever, big deal. I ended up shooting 67, and I, and I, he was the clubhouse leader for uh, like two hours, and it looked like for a stretch everyone was going to come back to five under, and he was going to have a chance to win the tournament. And he did Just it. Get a Bloody over. Mary, he'd be good to go. <laughs> this was pretty funny. Uh, so, all right, now moving over to the Kawhi Leonard trade. Kawhi traded to the Raptors with Danny Green, and they get back DeMar DeRozan. They get back Jakob Pertl, and they get a protected first-round pick next year. We didn't talk about this trade, so this is the first time I'm going to hear your thoughts on it. I think this is a nice move for the Raptors. Are in a no- I mean, look, I know they're giving up DeRozan. I know people are like, oh, this guy's so loyal. He loves Toronto. The dude has constantly folded in the playoffs. Go look at the way he handled himself in the game four of the series against Cleveland this year when he pretty much got himself ejected for a hard, cheap shot foul. Okay? He's a really nice player in the regular season will win you a bunch of games, but he has proven if you need him to be the main guy, he ain't getting it done in the playoffs. And you had to give him up to get Kawhi, and when Kawhi's healthy, he's a top three player in the league. So I think this is a good move. Look, you got a chance now that LeBron's out to make a run. Look, I don't think they're better than Boston right now. Philly... It's up in the air. I mean, but they're look. I think you got to give them something of saying, "Hey, we're in the top." They 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 have a they have a chance to make the finals. I think that's a they have a legitimate chance to make the finals. Yeah, if Kawhi like Kawhi doesn't if Kawhi do is Kawhi. Kawhi stuff of being like the weirdest NBA superstar. If he's Kawhi ever. from 2015 or 2016, then, yes. Then. If he's normal Kawhi Leonard of I'm playing basketball, I'm not going to sit out for a hamstring or anything like that. Yeah, see, I'm I don't know, I'm kind of stuck in the middle because I think it's a really good move for the Spurs getting DeMar DeRozan, getting a guy that can put the ball in the basket. Um, you know, they yeah, Kawhi was their score, but they really don't have a they really didn't have a guy that could just go and get the buckets they had that nothing they need. last year. So, that I think that move's good. I like Jakob Pertl. I think he's a good young uh big man. You know, he's not going to be anything fantastic, but let Pop get his hands on him for a little bit, and I wouldn't be surprised if we, you know, hear his name here in the next two, three years of being a pretty solid uh, role player for them. That's the other thing too is losing Danny Green. You know, yeah, he's getting a little up in age, but he was a perfect Pop guy too. For sure. So that's a big that's a big loss for the Spurs because he was a very underrated role player. Uh, I think he's right up there with you know your uh, uh, Sean Livingston's and uh, you know some of the other six men that come off the uh, bench that really can do big things for that second unit and can handle his own against the first unit. But yeah, I, obviously. The move for Toronto is great. Um, giving up a first rounder, you know that that sucks, especially if Kawhi doesn't re-sign, which it kind of looks like he's not going to. You don't know. I'm. Everyone thought Paul George was gone from OKC, and look what happened with him. Yeah, look, I'm not saying he stays in Toronto, but but one but never knows. The difference with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard is Paul George had Russ there to kind of you know he has a he has a second guy there. Say what you will about Kyle Lowry, he's not going to be he's not going to be somebody that entices Kawhi to stay in Toronto. You're going to need more than just Kyle Lowry oh, or a second guy sure. or you know, but, or Serge Ibaka to, to tell you, hey, you need to stay, you know, you should stay here and let's do big things. I think Kawhi's pretty much good as gone after this year. Yeah, he might put in some work uh, and actually be the Kawhi Leonard we saw from 2016, 2017, all that, um, and not the one we saw last season, 
But um, you know, I I it good move for the Raptors for this year. Tough to see them fire the coach of the year and then trade Demar Derozan. I wonder away. what Dwayne Casey's thinking. Of yeah, him. let me get Kawhi. Me, my yeah. hands on Kawhi. If this is the move, no doubt. But I, I like I said, I like the move for both teams. I like it a little bit more for the Spurs just because of the uncertainty with Kawhi resigning or not resigning. Yeah, look, say Kawhi, you know he's good as gone in February. Try and flip him to the Lakers and get something. Yeah, but that's I mean, if, but, but if you're do. in the thick of things, if they're sitting at the top of the Eastern Conference, sure. that's not a move they're going to make. No, so they're I still going to lose them either I, way. I like the go for it move. I always, I always applaud teams for going for it when you got a chance. They saw their spot was open. LeBron's gone, and we're going for it. And look, the Raptors have shown they could play against any other team in the playoffs, not named LeBron. When they just see LeBron, they just fold. Yeah, and they could. They could get a. I mean, look, their bench unit is good. They didn't give up any of the top guys they wanted, and Siakam or OG Anobu or all these guys. They're like, oh, this is who we want to give. I mean, I think they're. I think it's going to be. I like the move for them. The Spurs. I, okay, I think it's fine. I think Lamarcus Aldridge and him will just clank elbow jumpers all <laughs> all season long. It'll be the most boring team ever. I think DeRozan's a really good player, but they're just so boring. Um, I think it's fine, but. All right, we'll see um, if there's any other NBA news that we'll uh, talk about. We Yogi Ferrell did the old Dwight Howard or not or uh, DeAndre, DeAndre Jordan, Jordan. DeAndre Jordan. But to his credit, I mean, he got more money. So what do you get? An he, extra eight eight hundred thousand a year? Extra six hundred thousand a oh. year. <laughs> Tough, but hey, hey, I'm man, when you're five foot ten point guy, guard, yeah. you know you got to get every last dollar you can while you're in the NBA. Because we were, we were making the joke that he backed out after getting a two year five million deal offer um, on. I was like, why would he do that? You know, look at see Isaiah Thomas for the exact reason why you don't do that. Get it, get your deal when you can. Lock up then the money. Then he ended up getting a mill more. Then he got a mill more. So I guess he knew what he was doing because yeah. I I didn't know a whole lot of teams were in the market for a five foot ten point guard. But Neither hey, did I. Neither did I. He I goes to Sacramento, right? Yeah. Five uh, years, or excuse me, two years, six point two million for Yogi. We'll hear from you again in three years. Yeah. Sacramento's irrelevant. No right. one talks about them. All right, MLB trade deadline. Like we said, nine days away. Rangers made a move, traded Jesse Chavez uh, to the Cubs for some low uh, single-A guy. Seemed a pitcher, another pitcher. That's what they're trying to do. Doesn't sound like they're trading Beltre. Choose 52-game on base streak ended last night. Uh, so right now the season for the Rangers really has no- nothing going for it. Now that was like the only thing worth watching. Yeah, we'll just see what moves they're going to make. I mean, there's well, still look, a couple out there. Okay, but. there's some moves, but I think the moves are going to be from the bullpen. Yeah, I don't think like Chu. You're gonna have to pretty much pay his entire contract. You're gonna get a decent prospect, Beltre. You have to talk to him where he wants to go because he's got a no trade clause. Hamels is absolutely garbage right now, and apparently they're asking for the moon in return for him, which is which is fine. Look, yeah, I mean, try to get what you can, but, but I mean, if set the if, price, yeah, if you're not serious about actually moving the guy, then you know, look, set the bar high and then work your way down on that. But I don't know how many other moves they're gonna Keona Kella. I think I might keep the guy. He's only health has been an issue with him. But uh I mean last night I went to the game last night. Barn burner. Real barn burner. Hot. Brutally hot. It was really hot. In the shade though. I was, look, it got down to 100 when the sun went down. It felt fine. A brisk 107. This <laughs> first pitch was it was really warm. <laughs> just everybody in the plastic seats would get up and their back the shirt would just be drenched. I mean every single buddy. Uh, but hey, we got a nice little uh, Capital One club in there in like the sixth minute in oh, the sixth inning. So how many runs did the Indians end up putting on them? Sixteen? 
Yeah, 16. Those games are fun. I went to a game uh, three seasons ago. It was the Yankees-Rangers, and the Yankees won like 24 to 10. It looked, It was fun. I will say, though, uh, I felt bad for Austin Bippen's Dirks yeah. at the end because, look, it was mesmerizing watching Bartolo Colon pitch in person. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was absolutely amazing. I, actually, I saw him pitch earlier this year. At a Isn't game. it it's amazing? Funny. Yeah, it's It great. is unbelievable. The I don't know who he pitched against when you were there. The Yankees. Oh, no, who pitched for the Yankees? Oh, Tanaka. What does he throw, about 90 for his fastball? Yeah, he sits about 92. Probably okay, so Carrasco sits about 92, 93, yeah. maybe get up to 95. I mean, the ball was coming at Carrasco was sitting at 93. The zip on it was like light years ahead of Cologne. Cologne, that thing was just fluttering up there. Yeah. And Lindor pounded one off the left field wall early on. The first bat of the game, my dad and everything, oh, Big Sexy is absolutely getting torched tonight. Yeah, 107 for that guy. He's Sheesh. all white. Yeah. All white. What a move. What a baller move. He goes first. He gives up three hits his first two times through the uh, order. Then the fifth inning came, third time through the order. I mean, absolutely gets lit up for four runs in the fifth pitches, four and two thirds. And I mean, it was hard hit balls all over the place. Then Bibbin Dirks come in, comes in, first batter, Alonzo to the moon, home run. So he pitches, Dirks goes three and two thirds. Ninth inning comes around. I thought after the end of the eighth inning, all right, this guy's just taking his – he's the sacrificial lamb yeah. tonight. All right, taking his blows. That's fine. He's getting lit up. He's giving up eight eight more runs. It's like – or he's giving up maybe six or seven runs because he ended up giving up 11. He gave up four in the ninth. So, yeah, he gave up uh, seven runs going into the ninth inning from the fifth inning when he came into the eighth. All right, he got out of it. They're going to use a third guy. They roll him out in the ninth <laughs> inning. He's got two outs, and I'm telling you what, the Indians just unloaded the bench, and these guys were just getting hit after hit after hit in the ninth inning. My dad goes, oh, my God, get this guy out of the game. I was saying this is managerial malpractice, and Banny should be fired before he got to the office, mainly as a joke, but I thought that was terrible managing. Let the people what they want to see. See a position player pitch at the, oh, yeah, in the ninth exactly. inning. You're down 16-3. to three. Let the or You're down 12-3. to three. Let the position player pitch. Don't let Bibbins Dirks go get abused Another inning out there. I thought that was look. I get I get what he was doing. I thought that was bad. And Bibbins Dirk was one of the top got like greatest stories on the team last year. I thought last night with Bibbins Dirk was a little out of control for uh, for Bannister. And then there's two outs and no one's warming up and everyone's still getting hit. And we're like, this guy cannot stay in the game. Yeah, but at that point, they took you got him out with what Claudio gets strikes out the guy. We're like, okay, couldn't bring Claudio in two, three batters earlier. Right, exactly. That's what I was going to say. At that point, you're risking injury on the guy because he's going to be laboring. He's going to be throwing. You know, your mechanics he was at are 88 off. pitches, and it's 100 degrees outside. And Help when, when you're getting out. tired too, your mechanics start breaking yes. down, so you part, start putting more strain on that arm. Um, and yeah, that, that's brutal. I didn't realize that that uh, that he was getting shoved like that. And he I had didn't... one walk and no K's. I mean. Every ball Yikes. was hard hit. Yeah. He set a new Rangers record for most earned runs as a reliever with 11. <laughs> hey, if you're so, going to do something, do it all the way. Yeah, do it all the way. But, yeah, it was warm. Today's game was the reason why the Dome need is needed. Yeah. that It is. Exhibit A. I mean, I don't know if you saw pictures. No. It was family and friends section. I think it was get a foul ball day. <laughs> I mean, you. what if you went to that game, props to you because I think there were Two thousand people, three thousand people at that game. From the pictures I saw, it was absolutely brutal. Yeah. All right. When we come back, we'll touch on Josh Hader and Larry Fedora. Some Hader got uh, 
brought up some old tweets from seven years ago. Hate to see it. Hate and to then see Larry it. Fedora really head scratching comments about football and the deterioration of our country. So we'll talk about that and more here on the short thing on Talk Radio eleven ninety. Tales. All right, back here on the shore thing, Warren and Ryan here with you until the top of the hour. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We can listen to all of our old shows on SoundCloud and iTunes at the shore thing. So go check them out there. And if you do, uh, check us out on iTunes. Five five stars and a nice review would be very helpful. All right, so Josh Hader pitching his first ever All-Star game. Gave him a three-run bomb on Tuesday night. And then uh, someone on Twitter was going through old tweets, which seems to happen on draft night for some guys in the NFL and NBA. And then now I guess we're doing that in the All-Star game. And Josh Hader had some homophobic and racist tweets, such as KKK. And no, he's not talking about an inning in high school when he struck out three guys swinging. Uh, Also a tweet, white power, LOL. So maybe the LOL kind of, kind of, Lightens things up, lightens the mood up, I guess. Yeah. He had, uh, he said he hates gay people. Some pretty bad tweets. And yes, these were from 2012, but he was 17 then. It's not like, look, Dante DiVincenzo has had some tweets. See, those guys had tweets when they were like 12 or 13. Mitch Trubisky. Mitch Trubisky had some when they were like 13 or 14, 12, 13, 14. I want to say it's a little different then. Just because of age, yeah. Still, those tweets are like borderline. What are you? What are you tweeting? Right. But when you're 17, you, 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 you know what's right and you know what's wrong. Yeah. See, I'm kind of again. I'm kind of in the middle here. It's now. Let me say that by I'm not condoning or you know agree with anything he tweeted. Just as far as the angle that you're saying of you know he's young, he's dumb. I don't know. You can think back to when you're 16, 17, 18. You say stuff that you think is funny, that you think your friends sure. are going to laugh at. For sure. That for is sure. way out of line. I was probably the king of it and still probably say a few things we that are out of line. We all say things that are you way know, out of line, yeah. But, uh, you know, so it's tough to judge a guy who's, how old is he, 24, 25? Yeah. By something he said when he was 17, 18. You know, that's tough. If if everybody out there had Twitter back in the day, there's probably going to be some things that came up that were a little problematic. Now, this was just outrageously problematic. And he had a couple of tweets from like two years ago. Yeah, that, that was is... the other thing that was a little like two. Like, yeah, there was a couple from like 2016 that, yeah. that, that. that it comes up and it makes you scratch your head and like, well, you know, did he really learn or has he really changed from where he was you and know, look, four years ago? What are you going to want him to? Well, he apologizes. What else do you, excuse me, like what else do you want him to do, I guess? The, I, the Milwaukee Brewers fans last night gave him a standing O. I think that's a little. Yeah, that's. That is, as a fan, I think I'd be. I wouldn't. I, I mean, would, you respect it because they're showing they're showing support for the guy, but that's also kind of saying we're cool with what you said. Yeah, and I'm. Yeah, I mean, look, I or maybe they're saying, oh, look, your teammates now support you since you cried in front of them saying I'm sorry. Okay, that's fine. Look, it's a tough situation. The moral of the story is: How is there not an agency that just goes through your old tweets and starts deleting them for you so this doesn't come up? 
Yeah, that I do some, not understand how that is not out there. Yeah, I had to do. I mean, we were talking about this uh, Thursday or Friday. I kind of did the same thing. Um, you know, about two years back, I just went through and went through my Twitter timeline and my Facebook memory or Facebook um, dashboard, or whatever the heck you call it. I don't even use Facebook that much anymore. I can't remember. Um, and just you know, like I said, I said a lot of things when I was. 13, 14, 15 that I thought were going to be funny to my friends that were to them at the time. But now it's just like, that's not how I think. That's not how I feel. That's not something I want people to, you know, to uh, relate to me. So I got to, you got to delete that and clean it up. But we see it time and time again. So many guys run into this issue. I know. I went through my timeline a couple, maybe like a year ago. And I didn't really tweet a lot. Look, I was one of my first friends to have Twitter. Yeah, so was I. In high school. 2009, I was on it. Yeah, I think I was like 2009, 2010. I can remember one of the trade deadlines. I think it was 2010. I was getting like notifications on my phone during NBA trade deadline, like in school or whatever. So 2009, and like I was telling everybody, oh, get on Twitter, get on Twitter. Look, it's the new thing. But so I wasn't firing off any hot takes or any. It was just a bunch of nonsense. Nonsense. Oh, LeBron made a great dunk, or this guy's great, or just stuff like still nonsense that I'm rolling out with now. <laughs> Nothing really funny. Um, but, uh, yeah, I just don't understand how they just don't have, they don't need to do it themselves, but just say, Hey, I'll pay you this, a friend. Hey, I'll pay you this. You'll go to some games with me or whatever. Just look at the tweets and anything, even borderline delete it. Right. Or just say, Hey, I'm just deleting my whole account and starting a new one. Right. Yeah. Just, just start, do that. Start fresh. Delete the account and start fresh. You, you will get your followers back. Don't worry. Or not even, I mean, just wipe your entire, twi- um, like your, I don't account know if you can. Clean. Yeah, wipe it clean. Just yeah. delete everything. The one again. thing that sucks about this situation. Um, His parents it, at the All-Star game. Yeah, yeah. That yeah. That, I mean, well, not only that, but him being at the All-Star game, you know, he kind of burst on the scene this year um, out of nowhere. You know, he had been getting some talks about how, you know, he's got an electric fastball. He's got some good breaking stuff. But, you know, this is supposed to be a special time for him. He's pitching in the All-Star game where that's what most players that play ball want to do. They want to make an All-Star game. They want to play. And, you know, this whole thing's going on. His parents are in the stands. They're wearing his jersey. And somebody comes by and gives him uh, or gives his whole family just, like, blank All-Star jerseys to, yeah, to change into so they don't get heckled. Like, that's brutal, that's man. Tough. Like, it's one thing for you to take the heat. But then when it, like, leaks over to your family sure, or parents. Look, yeah. Oh, man, that's no. tough. That's the one thing that really sucked about this for, in my mind, for, for oh, yeah. I, look, I agree. I agree. That was you know what they say though. Tough. Haters gonna hate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they will. So we'll we'll see. I'm gonna be interested to see what happens when he goes on the road. Look, boom, whatever. I think that's yeah, whatever. But uh, I mean, I don't think there's anything to do now. I think yeah. people's minds are kind of made up unless For he sure. just. I don't know. But Larry Fedora, did you see this? The oh other yeah, day? oh yeah. This is one of the most wild takes I've ever heard. This is in unbelievable. My life. He said, it's at ACC Media Day, and I quote, he says, I don't think it's been proven that the game of football causes CTE. We don't really know that. Are there chances for concussions? Of course, there are collisions. But the game is safer than it's ever been. And then he also claimed that football was under attack and suggested that our country will go go down too because youth football participation continues to drop because parents don't want to endanger their children with the threat of CTE when they're 10. I mean, this is outlandish. And he goes, I'm not sure if anything has proven that football causes it itself. 
Well, uh, so Junior Seau having CTE and blowing his head off? and No, no, no. Shooting himself in the chest so that they could examine his brain. Okay, yeah. So all these other guys that commit suicide yeah. and Tony Dorsett, one of the greatest running, Hall of Fame running back, uh, has CTE. I mean, all of these other uh, Jim McMahon doesn't he have CTE? Yeah, there's that. I mean, there's been I mean, tons it's of guys that physically pr- proven, proven that constant blows to the head will provide will will could cause CTE. And look, and that doesn't rule out like soccer. Right. Soccer is a huge concussion problem. Hockey, like all contact sport, repeated blows to the head will cause CTE. And guess what? Football. Every single play, there are constantly people taking blows to the head. What cracked me up is uh, saying those that are arguing football is unsafe are twisting the data and the information out there to use for whatever their their agenda is. Nobody has any agenda against football other than the fact that it is causing issues with people later down the road and that CTE is an issue when you do get older, that you start going into a depression, you start forgetting things, your short-term memory loss just, or short-term memory just absolutely evaporates and these guys are committing suicide because of all the issues they're having with cte and the depression that goes along with it and the fact that he said that our country will go down if football goes down that is laugh out loud funny someone said he should be if he really believes this he should be fired and he should never coach another football game which well i thought that was crazy but i mean the guy's got a kind of got a point yeah, I mean, if, I, look, if I don't that, know. Fire might be a little too far, but I mean, to never coach again. But I mean, coach at a high level. But I, I get that too. You don't want Kim coaching kids and stuff. Just and you then know. he said, "Oh, I just want to make sure people know the risks of playing football." Yes, look, always the top players are going to play football because it's a chance for say they're from the inner cities, a chance yeah. to get out and make it better. Or guys just want to play and they'll be fi- fine. I'll deal with it later. There's always going to be the case. But say there's a kid that's a borderline athlete for football. Say he's better at baseball. Golf, tennis, what basketball, well, these other sports. I bet the parents are going to say, you know what, we'll take him there. So down the line, he doesn't have a mushed up brain and he's able to live a solid life. Yeah, I love the quote he used too about he asked a four star or a three star general why the armed forces of the U.S. are so much greater than countries. And to kind of paraphrase, the general said that because we're the only nation playing football and all the stuff that these guys learn playing football at the peewee level prepares them for the armed forces has nothing to do with we have the most spending in the military it's all because all these guys play peewee football as to why we have the greatest armed forces in the u.s the only thing i could think of is doing stretching when it's 95 degrees when i did fifth and sixth grade football (laughs) the only thing that would maybe prepare me for uh the military conditioning but even then i was fifth and sixth grade and i just wanted to be over with but that interception i had only one of the season. Kind of worth it. Hey, man, that's fifth, more than I got. Point. I was fat and I was a center, so I snapped the ball and got knocked on my butt. Tight so. end or cornerback. I was not getting in on any of the action. Probably the skinniest <laughs> tight end of all time. I was yeah. supposed to be a tight end. I had great hands. The wide receivers coach said, hey, go over to the offensive line. You're going to be our, one of our tight ends. Went over to the offensive line. Coach said, all right, you're going to center. I said, all righty. They put me a D tackle on practice. That was an absolute disaster. <laughs> that was an absolute joke. All right, well, that's our show, and we will talk to you guys next week here on The Short Thing on Talk Radio 1190. KFF.